0: book is so awesome I can do anything this book is so awesome I am the potion Hi, my name is Joel Watson.
1: And I'm Lily Watson.
0: And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my eight-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. We are picking up where we left off on Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, book six. Our last chapter was chapter 25, which brings us to chapter 26, The Cave. A quick recap and also a bit of information. Uh, You may notice if you've been listening to the show that we took a couple month hiatus over the (laughs) holiday break Uh, after our trip to the wizarding world of harry potter we maybe were kind of pottered out and so even though lily was anxious to start reading the next book i wasn't as anxious to (laughs) (laughs) delve into more harry potter just yet but we're back uh the caveat there is that perhaps lily has forgotten everything she's read that's what
1: we're saying anyway from
0: the end of book six so we'll try and jog your memory and see what you remember about the end Of the Half-Blood Prince, certainly one of the most pivotal points in the entire Harry Potter series, based on the various outcomes and where our characters start that book and where they end the book. So speaking of the cave, Lily, what is the uh, titular cave of this chapter?
1: The cave is the cave where uh, I believe it was Voldemort, uh, when he was a child, who took two children into that cave it said that when they came back they were never the same so it's obviously an enchanted cave
0: well i think it's it may be dumbledore mentions this cave is known magic he doesn't he doesn't expand on that but i think it's implied that whatever happened to those children was not caused by the cave it was probably caused by young voldemort
1: in the cave
0: Right. So he may have brought them there because he knew it was a dark magical cave where he might be more likely to succeed at performing some sort of dark magic. Or he may be the reason that it is a dark magical cave uh, because he took people there and possibly tortured them. He may have tried out his first Crucio, you know? Yeah. We know that uh, the orrs Longbottom were... uh, tortured into craziness with the with the Crucio with the Cruciatus curse so perhaps he did that to those children and uh, that's why the cave is so dark but anyway so at the end of our last chapter Dumbledore says all right Harry it's time to hunt Horcruxes uh, we're going to head off to this cave where I'm pretty sure there's a Horcrux but I need your help you know so they show up at the cave uh, Dumbledore has to use a a certain um Key, sort of, to get into the cave. What it, what, what is the, what does the cave require before to let someone enter?
1: There are these, like, writings I believe and drawings on the wall. Dumbledore figures what, figures out what they mean, and he figures out that to get in the darker part of the cave, like the inside of the cave. There needs to be blood on the wall.
0: Yeah, it requires blood, which means Dumbledore says the the enchantments involved in, in securing this cave insist that the person trying to enter it be injured or vulnerable, perhaps is a further detriment that once you get inside, if you're injured. Now, here's something that's kind of confusing and makes me wonder about all of the security measures of this cave make me wonder about Voldemort's plan, because... Uh, what does Dumbledore do immediately after injuring himself and then putting blood on the cave wall?
1: Uh, what do you mean?
0: What does he do to his wound after that?
1: Uh, I believe he heals it again. Now he
0: heals it up with his wand. And it seems like maybe any sufficiently skilled wizard or any wizard that's looking for horcruxes might know how to heal themselves. So I it makes me assume that the protections that Dumbledore has placed on this cave are such that he doesn't want random people wandering into it, I don't think he ever thinks that someone will be searching for horcruxes, right? Yeah. I think maybe he thinks this plan is so foolproof that my only real security measure here is keeping people out that might just be trying to go into this cave. I'm not sure.
1: He also put those writings on the wall. Maybe he didn't think that people would either see or be able to decipher.
0: Yeah, Harry says Dumbledore reads aloud in a, in a tongue he does not understand. So, I don't know. It, from a story standpoint, it makes sense that there would be clues, because you can't really solve a mystery without clues. But from a Voldemort standpoint, you would think he wouldn't give any clues at all. Uh, I think it might, though, go to show his, his sort of uh, hubris or his overconfidence in himself that he could even leave a clue and you know somebody would wouldn't be able to figure it out, so anyway,
1: well, we kind of had to put that they kind of had to put that there anyway, otherwise they couldn't get in so
0: so when they get into the interior chamber of the cave, they have to go through this uh, tunnel, right? yeah, and what's the deal with the tunnel?
1: If I remember this correctly, it's pitch black in there.
0: it's super black, and the tunnel is filled with water water so d- either Dumbledore or Harry mentions that, At high tide, the tunnel would be completely full of water. And so that would be another barrier is that you would have to like either have some sort of, you know, gillyweed or bubblehead charm or something like that to get through and swim completely through the darkness. They're able to kind of wade through it with their shoulders and necks sticking out. But they're also freezing uh, (laughs) at that point. But they get to the other side and it's also pitch black. Harry suggests a pretty simple solution. That does not work. Do you remember what Harry's plan was? Mm. He wants to do an Accio Horcrux.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: But nothing so easy is going to work.
1: He tries it like three times and nothing comes.
0: Yeah, Dumbledore says uh, any easy method for getting this is is not going to work because Voldemort would have thought of that.
1: Voldemort is smarter than that.
0: So how does... They see there's an island. They do a, a Lumos Maxima. And they see there's kind of an island in the middle of this interior cave lake. Uh, how does Dumbledore get them across that lake?
1: He knows that they obviously can't go through the water because any doofus would just go in the water and think, oh, I can just swim across.
0: So that's too obvious. So what, he, what does he find?
1: He starts waving around with his hand in the air. Then he grabs something. He pulls it and it's an invisible chain. Uh, With a boat strung to it.
0: Yeah, so he pulls this little boat out. Again, this, I don't think this is a problem to be solved for potential Horcrux hunters. I think this is how Voldemort would get across the lake if he were to come back. So it's, again, this is not like a mystery. It's not like an Indiana Jones (laughs) temple, you know, uh, mystery. It's, it's the thing that he would assume no one would ever find. So this secret boat will get me across if I need to. But no one will ever find this.
1: Like maybe if he was to check the Horcrux.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I would imagine you don't just assume they're always there. You probably got to go check back every once in a while. So they're going across the, this black lake in this boat. And Harry looks in the water. What does he see?
1: Uh, he sees little creatures inside. And they look like human shapes. But... They're not human.
0: They're inferior, which are basically the Harry Potter equivalent of zombies.
1: Yeah, they're dead people.
0: They were once alive.
1: Yeah, they they were once alive, but now they're dead, and they're made to basically be human puppets.
0: Yes. Dumbledore is said to have an army of Inferi. These may be those. Voldemort. Voldemort has an army of Inferi, and this might be that army. We don't know for sure uh he has not employed them so far in his recent t- tactics he hasn't sent an army of inferi to storm the walls of hogwarts or anything <laughs> so this may be not only his protection for a horcrux but it this may also be his like storage compartment for his zombie <laughs> army that he might call forth at any time uh the the other the other implication here is that all of these people possibly hundreds were killed by voldemort uh, there. It says there's men, women, and children. So he's either him or his uh his servants have possibly slain all these people. I. It doesn't sound like these are zombies. He's pulled out of graveyards and <laughs> stuffed in the water. So, uh, further, you know, just saying like what a bad dude he is. Uh, they get they do get across. I don't remember if Voldemort if Dumbledore warns Harry, but it it's implied like don't touch the water, don't break the surface of the water.
1: I believe he warns him. Yeah. Like. Uh, I think Harry might think. Wait, what? What the heck with the water? Can't we just swim across? Right.
0: So they get to that island, and what is in the center of the island?
1: It's sort of in the shape of a pensive, except it. It's a basin, a yeah. But a, pen, a
0: pensive is a basin too. So it's it's sort of a water like a sink without a faucet, right? Yeah. Uh, it's glowing. It seems to contain this sort of
1: liquidy glowy mansion. liquid.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dumbledore tries to put his hand in it, but it sinks away from him. The closer you get to it, the lower it goes, so you can't touch it. And he realizes what about this liquid? How would you get through this liquid?
1: You have to drink it.
0: And there's some sort of goblet, or they produce a goblet of some kind.
1: Uh, in the movie, it's a
0: show. Yeah, but that's not in the book. Uh, Dumbledore says to Harry, he gives him a warning about what's going to happen after I drink this. This uh, potion. What does he say to Harry? He
1: says that no matter what, he must keep drinking. No matter if he says, no matter if he screams and cries, uh, no matter uh, if I forget why we're here, you have to make me keep drinking.
0: Right. He says I might beg for mercy. I might beg for death. Uh, but no matter what I do, you have to make sure that I drink all of this potion or we're never going to find out what's inside.
1: But, uh, well, they know it's probably a horcrux, but, you know.
0: Dumbledore starts drinking. He, I think he gets like one sip in before he starts
1: Freaking a- acting
0: out. not like himself. A couple of sips in and he starts screaming, no, I don't want to. I don't want to let me go. Make it stop. Make it stop. And finally, he's like, no, professor, you must continue to drink. And by the end of it, he's like, "Make it stop!
1: Kill me! Kill me!" So he did beg for death.
0: <laughs> he did. He rather than finish this potion, he would rather be dead. Harry hates himself for what he's doing. He
1: like he, you can keep finishing.
0: I was gonna say he's just he he's not happy about his actions. He regrets what he's doing. He doesn't want to see Dumbledore in pain, and he doesn't want to be the cause of Dumbledore's pain. Uh,
1: like. He wants to follow Dumbledore's orders of make me keep drinking, but he also doesn't want to see Dumbledore in pain because of those orders.
0: Right. It, well, it's also just horrible to watch someone that you care about obviously suffering. So
1: and he, and he has to drink an entire basin of it.
0: So he finally finishes it. Dumbledore collapses, and Harry uses a spell to sort of uh, wake Dumbledore up. He, he sort of regains consciousness, but what does, he, what does he beg for?
1: He needs water.
0: So Harry uses an Aguamenti to summon water in the goblet, but what happens to that water?
1: Uh, uh, well, it disappears.
0: So another protection of this potion is that when you're done...
1: You need you, water. When,
0: when you're done, you pass out, possibly never to wake up. So someone's there to wake him up. But then, after that, you're, you're so thirsty you can't think straight. You can't get water on your own. You can't conjure water. So where is the nearest water?
1: The lake that you're not supposed to touch.
0: So not really thinking about Dumbledore's original warning, just wanting to provide Dumbledore some relief, Harry runs and fills the goblet with lake water. Which causes what to happen?
1: The Inferi start coming out and trying to attack them.
0: Yeah, so now you've got Harry. Uh, he gives the water to Dumbledore, I guess. He, he manages to get it to him. But then there's this horde of zombies clawing at his feet, coming out of the river, trying to pull him in. Harry's trying to fight them off with his wand, but it's not having great effect on the, the sheer number of things attacking him. What does uh, What happens to save Harry at this point?
1: Dumbledore manages uh, manages to get up and fight for him.
0: But what is the what's the big show of power that he does at this point? Do you remember?
1: I don't I don't know if it's now, but I think he puts a circle of fire. Yeah, him. he
0: conjures a giant uh fire wall basically.
1: Because apparently they don't like light.
0: They don't like fire for sure. Okay. And that's That goes back into, like, sort of zombie mythology. Like, there's not a lot of ways to stop zombies, but zombies don't like fire. Also, Frankenstein doesn't like fire, so. Yeah. So, whatever an an inferior is, it doesn't like fire. I'm sure it doesn't like light that much either. Uh, Harry is using all of his defensive spells, including a few that he's learned from the Half-Blood Prince book. Uh, This is probably the second or third time he tries to use Sectumsempra. But there's still too many inferies. Uh, So the fire, you know, starts to take them out. They make it. They grab the locket. First of all, that's what's in the basin. Turns out there's a locket, a gold locket. They don't have time to examine it, right? No. They just grab it. Assuming mission accomplished. Let's see. Dumbledore stuffs it in his robes. They get in the boat and head away from the island where I assume the fire is still keeping them safe. What is Dumbledore's condition at this point?
1: I believe that he's still kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? He's weak.
0: For? He tells Harry that he's weak.
1: He's, uh, yeah, he's weak and it looks like he's not capable of much right now.
0: Yeah, the fight and the the fire have taken a lot out of him. The for the spell and the fight, I guess, have taken a lot out of him. Harry opens the door on the way out using his own blood. I assume Harry is already- bre- bleeding from somewhere, yeah at this point,
1: yeah, I remember that that does happen uh i I think one of i think- yeah, he scratched his he scratched his arm on a rock while they were fighting,
0: yeah, so he's got you know blood of his own to get the door open before we before we move on to the next chapter, there's something important to point out that so much of Voldemort's plan for keeping Horcruxes safe relies on the fact that you would be alone when trying to retrieve them. Why do you think that is?
1: Because he most likely goes there alone.
0: Partially. Um, there is something that Dumbledore told Harry a few books back that is the one thing he would always have over Voldemort. Love. That, and that he understands the power of friendship. I think because Voldemort has no friends and does not understand why you would want a friend or what you would even do with one, he just assumes, well, obviously no two wizards would ever be here at the same time. It would be one wizard seeking to take my power. So I don't have to protect against things where you would have help, right? Yeah. So he assumes well, my, my my enchantments on my basin and my liquid are going to take you out. But he doesn't assume we've got someone to carry you out, right? Yeah. So his whole plan kind of falls apart at the very basic notion that you would not be alone. But that's how he sees the world, and that's how he sees people, as anyone deserving power would be alone. And he's wrong about that. Uh, chapter twenty seven The lightning struck Tower. This is one place where the books and the movies diverge greatly. They condense and remove and delete so much of this next chapter and the one after it that it's uh kind of shocking um because I remember the books the the movies so vividly because of the visual memory of them, but they're so different than what happens here
1: but obviously, even when they do do that. Uh, they still leave the big stuff that's super important, otherwise the story would change completely.
0: Sure, but some of the details I think are important. Like, for instance, in the movie, they apparate directly out of and directly back into Hogwarts, which is against the rules. And in the movie, they say, well, it's something about being the headmaster, you know, certain privileges. Well, no, Dumbledore isn't allowed to apparate in and out of Hogwarts. We know that especially because the last time he had to escape, he had to use Fox. So... They actually operate back into Hogsmeade. And then they fly on brooms back to Hogwarts, which is something we've never seen Dumbledore do before. Not really. So that's an interesting perspective. Uh, but when they get there, they see uh, the castle looks quite unusual. What's different about the castle?
1: Over the Astronomy Tower, the Dark Mark.
0: So they know for certain there is bad stuff going on. There is possibly Death Eaters in the castle. They fly back at a, you know, crazy pace. They get to the Astronomy Tower. Almost immediately, Harry realizes something different about uh, himself and his body. What happens to Harry then?
1: He's frozen?
0: Yeah, he's petrified, presumably by Dumbledore, who knows that uh, some shenanigans are about to go down. And he does not want Harry involved.
1: So he he takes out the invisibility cloak and throws it over Harry.
0: Yeah, and in the movies he's just hiding under the stairs and he's also not frozen. <laughs> he's just told not to move. Yeah. I or I sweet. like the book version better because you know that Harry would disobey that order if Dumbledore was in trouble. <laughs> he would he would go to his rescue. Uh Dumbledore knowing better than Harry knows that he would likely die if there were a handful of death eaters and in an enclosed room, now under no so so. Both
1: of them most likely would.
0: So a, a, a cellar door, sort of the door to the Astronomy Tower, pops open. Who pops out of that?
1: Death Eaters.
0: Well, first it's Draco Malfoy. Oh well, yeah. Who is a Death Eater now? Uh, what does he do to Dumbledore?
1: He points his wand at him.
0: He disarms him. He disarms Dumbledore, which is very important to remember uh, going forward, and. Do you think under normal circumstances, with or without his wand, would Dumbledore be able to take on Draco Malfoy? Yes. Of course, with ease. Uh, Do you think he'd be able to take on four or five Death Eaters?
1: Maybe not. I'd
0: say probably, actually. We watched him fight Voldemort, uh, probably the two most powerful wizards in the world at the time. In the same room. (laughs) And he won. So I would think three, four, five of Voldemort's lackeys plus... Draco Malfoy, a full-strength Dumbledore, is probably still fine. Uh, He is extraordinarily weakened at this point. He also has no wand. So it's safe to say that Dumbledore's in real trouble here. He begins to sort of talk back and forth with Draco. What is the gist of their conversation?
1: Well, he talks pretty calm, so... He knows that it's only Draco there right then. Right. So uh, he's not worried until other Death Eaters come.
0: I should also mention that as they arrive at the Astronomy Tower, Dumbledore sort of winces and tells Harry to get Snape. He can't leave, right? I think he's frozen after that. Yeah, so Harry's actually been instructed to go fetch Professor Snape.
1: And now he can't because he's frozen.
0: Yeah, now he can't because he's frozen. But something else to keep in mind. Why? Like, do you think Dumbledore wanted Snape to bring him a healing potion? Or what was Snape going to do to save him at that point? Uh, so we don't know. And it turns out we won't know by the end of this book. <laughs> Draco sees that there are two brooms that have arrived.
1: He And he's like... Who, who's with you?
0: Yeah, he says no, no one. Draco, I'm working alone, you know. But who's with you? Uh, Draco says there's Death Eaters inside the school, and that they have already attacked some of Dumbledore's. He says Dumbledore's guard. I don't know who the security of Hogwarts is, or if he just means the students t- or teachers.
1: The people in Hogwarts. Yeah,
0: but he says I've got a job to do. I have to do it. And there's an interesting uh, passage here that is deleted from the book, actually. Really? It was in the first print by mistake. What? Uh, It was something that uh, J.K. Rowling wrote, but then later deleted. And then her editors accidentally put it in the first run of the book. Uh, Only in America. And so in the British version of the book, they didn't understand like what was missing. They didn't see. They didn't see the passage. Uh, let me find it here. But it's kind of interesting when Dumbledore and Draco are talking. Uh, Dumbledore says to Draco, "Nobody would be surprised that you had died in your attempt to kill me. Forgive me, but Lord Voldemort probably expects it. Nor would the Death Eaters be surprised that we had captured and killed your mother. It's what they themselves would do, after all." What do you think Dumbledore is saying there? Is he saying, I'm going to kill you and your mother? No. What do you think?
1: I believe he's saying that the Death Eaters are are the ones who did it.
0: It's kind of confusing, but what he's actually saying to Draco in this deleted passage is, Draco, just stop and we'll get you and your mom out of here. You'll be safe. And the Death Eaters will believe that you died and that we killed your mother. Hogwarts wizards and teachers certainly would not kill Draco's mother, no matter what she did, unless it was in defense. But the Death Eaters would believe that's something a person would do, because that's what we would do.
1: Why would they kill his mother? She has nothing to do with this.
0: What he's saying is Draco was worried about his family. And so Dumbledore is saying, I will protect you and your mother if you just stop. I will tell the death eaters that I killed you. I'll tell the death eaters that we killed your mother. And then I'll hide you. But that was I think taken out.
1: I think that's explained but in different wording.
0: Well, that passage is deleted from the book eventually. Now, I don't know if you have don't think you have a first edition or it would be expensive. But uh
1: Yeah, mine was from Half Price Books. <laughs>
0: well, anyway, Draco says, "You know, I've got to do it. It's me. I'm the one." He talks about how he got Death Eaters into the school. What was the point of that? Or how did he? How did he get Death Eaters into the school?
1: This I truly don't remember.
0: It's have, has to do with the vanishing cabinet.
1: Oh, he uh, when he was in the room of requirement all year, he was trying to fix the vanishing cabinet.
0: And what what? would the Vanishing Cabinet allow him to do?
1: It would allow him to go from one place to another immediately once someone closed the door. So it's sort of like operating. He says the
0: Vanishing like, Cabinet has a twin. Where is the other Vanishing Cabinet?
1: In Borgen and Burks.
0: And Borgen and Burks is certainly a place where dark wizards would feel safe to come and go as they please. So it is a portal, basically, from a place where dark wizards are known to gather to a place that they should never be inside of Hogwarts. He mentions to Dumbledore that it did not seem like he was going to be able to fix the Vanishing Cabinet, which is why he tried the other things like poison mead. Uh, What else did he try? Huh. There was the poison mead that poisoned Katie Bell. No, that was the necklace.
1: So the necklace was the other one.
0: The necklace and then the poison mead that uh, poisoned Ron. And Dumbledore says, I knew it was you. That's why I had Snape watch over you. And Draco says, You're wrong! Snape is a double agent working for Voldemort! And Dumbledore doesn't agree he trusts Snape. Even at this point, it's not clear where Snape's allegiance lies.
1: But it will be stated very soon.
0: Draco says Madame Rosemurda was their help outside Hogwarts, that she was under the Imperius curse, and she gave the necklace to Katie Bell and sent the mead to Slughorn, So that's kind of a piece of the puzzle that we had not known until now.
1: That's how she got the necklace. So.
0: The Dark Mark was a trap to lure Dumbledore back in a hurry. And that someone is already dead, uh, that he stepped over someone's body on his way up there. We don't know who yet. Uh, There's more sound from below, and Dumbledore is trying to give Draco options for how to get out of this problem. And Draco doesn't believe. That there's a way out. That he says, Voldemort will kill me, he'll kill my whole family. You know, Dumbledore's trying to say, even at this point, I'm gonna try and help you. But
1: Even, even though you, even though your allegiance still lies with them, with Voldemort.
0: Yeah, and he even says that Voldemort might be using legitimacy against Draco. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, but he, But he says that I can hide you more completely than you could possibly imagine. The same for your mother and father. So you're right. Um, he does, he does, uh, offer him a way out, just not in the same wording, I guess. That wording was what was, I think, problematic for Rowling, was that it sounds like Voldemort's threat, or that Dumbledore's threatening to kill Draco, which he's not. He is offering him a way out, but the wording made it sound like he was ready to do something nefarious, I guess. He,
1: He obviously wouldn't do that. I mean, he's, he's Dumbledore.
0: Yeah, that's not his style. So anyway, he says, "Yeah, same for your mother and father. We, we, you know, I could protect you all." Uh, Draco says, "You've got nothing to offer me because you're at my mercy." Dumbledore says, "It's quite the opposite. Like even at this point, Dumbledore knows." Draco, look, little man, I could take you out very quickly. Wand or no wand, weak or no weak, I can, I can take you out.
1: I I could probably knock you out in a second.
0: That's when he's joined by the rest of the Death Eaters. Uh, you've got a brother and sister that we don't know named Amicus and Electo. Finrir Greyback, who's he? He's
1: he's the wolf, uh, or werewolf, that bits Lupin. Yeah,
0: he's we already don't like this guy. Uh, Greyback threatens to kill Dumbledore right then, but another Death Eater says Draco has to do it. More voices from below are, are coming up, and you can hear some fighting, some spells, some explosions, so it sounds like there is a bit of a battle happening downstairs. Snape bursts through the door, and this guy Amicus says, we got a problem. The boy doesn't seem able. Dumbledore looks over at Snape, and what does he say?
1: I don't just
0: just one that. word. Do you remember? No. He looks at him and says, Severus. And he says, Severus, please. What do you think he's asking Snape to do at this point?
1: Come over to him and help.
0: So you think he's saying, please help me. Save me from these Death Eaters. Yes. Uh, but what happens?
1: Three, two, one. Avada Kedavra!
0: Yeah, with sort of, with, with all but a, barely a thought, uh, Snape does the killing curse on Dumbledore when Dumbledore flies out the window. That it mentions that he kind of hangs in the air under the dark mark and uh, falls from the astronomy tower. Harry at that point, I believe, is able to move correct?:
1: Yeah, I guess that if if the if the person who cast the spell on you was uh if something happens to them, I guess you're f- free to move or something.
0: And this brings us to chapter 28, Flight of the Prince. Uh, Snape, Draco, and all the Death Eaters flee.
1: And uh, Harry?
0: Harry runs after them. Harry realizes he can move again. He manages to Petrificus Totalus, the final Death Eater, who I guess is never named, who's leaving through the door. He, what, how does he see the corridor? What does the, the castle look like when he get, gets out of Dumbledore, or out of the Astronomy Tower?
1: It's really dark.
0: Not only that, but it's dusty. He hears voices, he hears shouting. It seems like as the Death Eaters are leaving the castle, they're just shooting spells at stuff, just breaking things. Just as kind of a final, you know, insult to injury. Um, he does hear Snape, though, and he goes running after them. You okay?
1: Yeah, I'm fine.
0: Got a bit of a cough? Yeah. Harry sees two bodies on the floor, maybe dead students. He sees Ginny in combat. He sees Neville uh, on the floor with a bad cut on his stomach, but he seems like he's okay. McGonagall and Lupin are both battling Death Eaters, so the Order has showed up. And there's a a full-on... Wizard battle happening all throughout the halls of Hogwarts. Has anything like this happened in Harry's life so far?
1: Uh, yes, but not at Hogwarts.
0: That's what I'm saying, at Hogwarts. Has anyone ever, I mean, there's students everywhere. No. And there's never been a battle. This is very much like the fight at the Ministry of Magic. That's but now what I was talking about. Yeah, now it's happening at the school. Uh, certainly more people in danger than than the last time something like this happened. The Death Eaters are are trying to make it to the front doors. Harry and some of the other people are throwing jinxes at them, but they all miss. He sees, uh, once they get through the gates, he sees Snape and some of the other Death Eaters just sort of running through the fields. He sees a flash of light in the distance, and uh, Hagrid runs out of his cabin. What happens to Hagrid's cabin?
1: It's on fire.
0: Yeah, just, like I said, just for fun. They're breaking stuff. They, it mentions that the... Uh, some of the hourglasses that count the house points have been shattered, just for
1: the heck of flying it. Falling everywhere,
0: yeah, just for the heck of it, they're just breaking stuff on their way out. Uh, I think it shows kind of the childishness, even though they are dealing in life and death, the childishness of the of the Death Eaters, that they're just sort of knocking things over, and setting things on fire. Um, so yeah, Hagrid's house is burning. Harry eventually. He's trying to catch up to Snape and Draco. He shoots a Snoopify at... A Stupefy at Snape, but misses. Snape tells Draco to run. Harry tries to do a Crucio. This is the second time. What was the first time that he tried to do a Crucio?
1: I think it was in the last book on Bellatrix.
0: Correct. So the two times he's been the most angry, that he's willing to try and do an unforgivable curse.
1: I I also... Uh, Just now realized, even though I read this chapter a long time ago, now that Dumbledore is dead, Voldemort technically is the most powerful wizard in the universe.
0: Probably. We don't know who the second most powerful good wizard was, honestly. It's safe to say that Dumbledore may have been leaps and bounds above number two. So, yeah, Voldemort might have all the power at this point. Uh, Certainly going into the next book, you'll see how powerful he is. But uh, Snape deflects Harry's Crucio and sort of taunts Harry for not being able to use unforgivable curses. He says you don't have the nerves or the ability to do this. Harry tries a few other curses, but what's the last one that he tries on Snape.
1: Sectum semper.
0: And what is, what's Snape's reaction to this?
1: He says, if I remember correctly, You dare use my own spell against me? Yes, Potter. I am the Half-Blood Prince.
0: Yeah, so Harry realizes this whole year he's been getting sort of advice and lessons from the Half-Blood Prince. And all along, this is Snape's schoolbook from when Snape was a... A fifth year student or f- sixth year student,
1: Something I guess. Like that. Anyway,
0: uh, when Snape was in advanced potions making, and that's sort of a revelation all, all on its own. Not so much that it matters that much to what Harry has accomplished. More so that it that Harry trusted the prince. This idea, whatever the prince is, you know, I trust the prince. The prince is teaching me. All of his friends are telling him, you shouldn't be reading this book. You should put this book up. The prince is no good. And Harry's constantly defending him. Uh, So would Harry have done that if it said this book is property of Severus Snape? No. I don't think so. I think he would have been like, ugh, whatever. There's, There's multiple lessons to learn from that. Number one is that Harry has possibly misjudged Snape because of how mean Snape is to Harry, he's not given Snape credit for actually being very smart and very powerful at what he does. Uh, He has been blinded by Snape's attitude, right? Yeah. It, It also shows that there was a time when Snape wasn't so obsessed with the rules and being so strict because most of that book... All of his notes are about what?
1: All of the notes in his book, you mean? Yeah. All of the notes are about uh, illegal spells, maybe?
0: Well, not just illegal. It's just not following the rules. Even from the first thing where it says to, you know, crush the berry to get the juice instead of slicing it. That it's, it's him following his own ideas as opposed to being such a slave to rules and regulation and discipline like he is now. So I think it shows that whatever happened to Snape between his childhood and now has changed his outlook on the world. So anyway, uh, Harry says to Snape, Fight back! Fight back, you coward! Do you remember what Snape says about that? No. He says, Do not call me coward! Very angrily. As if to say, if anything, I've displayed... Bravery tonight. Do you think that's right? Yeah. Why?
1: Well, for one, he, uh, he uh, when uh, one of the most powerful wizards uh, 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 in the wizarding world uh, p- begged for him to help him fight against the uh, fight against the Death Eaters, he just killed him instead of helping him.
0: Is that brave? shouldn't it be I don't I don't know I mean it seems like the brave thing to do would have been to help him in spite of overwhelming odds I don't mean think about the think about what bravery means bravery means acting in a way that is harder than what would be obvious it seems like it would be harder to help Dumbledore than to just kill him he killed an unarmed man who was, at, who was begging for help. Is that brave?
1: I guess not.
0: To me, that sounds like the definition of cowardice. Sounds like Harry is calling it like he sees it, right? Yeah. But something about that enrages Snape. He, he's had enough. He's never screamed at Harry like that. How dare you call me coward? Almost as if to say, after what I did tonight, how dare you call me coward?
1: I guess he thought that was brave, or maybe not, but just didn't want to admit that it wasn't.
0: Possibly both. It's obvious that the two of them are seeing these events with very different perceptions. And maybe we'll learn more about why that is in the next book. Buckbeak shows up. We haven't heard from Buckbeak in a while. He's been injured. And uh, Buckbeak shows up and chases Snape off, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Harry sees, uh, they're gone. Snape's gone. The Death Eaters are gone. I assume they got to a safe distance from the anti-apparition spells and apparated. Harry sees Hagrid, and Hagrid has rescued Fang from the cabin. What do they do with the cabin?
1: How do I say that? Um, Put out
0: it? Put it out, yes. They use Aguamenti to put the fire out. So presumably they save Hagrid's cabin. Maybe it's pretty damaged, but not entirely. And Fang is safe. Uh, Harry tells Hagrid Dumbledore is dead. What, is Hag- what does Hagrid think about this?
1: He doesn't believe it. Of course
0: not. It's not possible. Dumbledore dead. No. Couldn't be. They run over to the uh, foot of the tallest tower of Hogwarts where people are gathering around. What do they see?
1: The dead body, body of Dumbledore.
0: Yeah. And Hagrid finally believes and they're all in you know a pretty sorry state at this point. They're Obviously heartbroken. (laughs) Harry had known there was no hope since he knows the body bind curse that was done on him was lifted when Dumbledore was hit, which means, you know, he's dead. After some time, uh, Harry realizes he's kneeling on something hard. And what does he find under his knee? Something that had been, been in Dumbledore's pocket that must have fallen when he landed.
1: The locket.
0: Yeah. So Harry opens the locket. And he kind of, I guess at this point he's thinking, at least we got this, you know, at least after all this loss, at least we found a horcrux maybe. In-
1: inside of the locket, there's a note.
0: Well, before he even opens it, he realizes this might not be the locket. Because now that he's got a chance to inspect it, he remembers that he saw the locket in the Pensieve. And it was much larger, and it had markings on it. And this locket is not the same one. And yes, they open it up, and there's a piece of parchment. Do you remember what it says?
1: It's from R-A-B.
0: Here, read that. That's what it says at the very bottom.
1: It says, To the Dark Lord, I know I will be dead long before you read this, but I want you to know that I was... Uh, that it was I who discovered your secret. I have stolen the real Horcrux and, and intend to destroy it as soon as I can. I face death in hope that uh, that when you meet your match, you will be mortal once more. From R.A.B.
0: Do you know who R.A.B. is?
1: They don't explain.
0: I know who it is. Um,
1: Do I know him yet?
0: No. Dang. So, this says... <sighs> It says, first of all, that someone has already attempted to hunt Horcruxes, that this one may be destroyed already, if R.A.B. was successful. We don't know. It also makes it sound like R.A.B. assumed Voldemort had one Horcrux. It's safe to assume right now, we know he had more than one. We already know of one that was destroyed, right?
1: Yes, actually two. Because the ring was destroyed.
0: Was the ring destroyed? Yes. Okay. Okay, so at least two. So he had at least three, but if this one had already been destroyed, then he would be immortal by now. And obviously, based on the clues from this book, we assume he may have as many as seven. So R.A.B., for whatever his efforts were, probably didn't make too big of a dent in Voldemort's power, but let's assume there were seven and let's assume RAB was successful. Then how many are destroyed?
1: That would be three destroyed out of, s- out of
0: out four. S- four? four more that are. Oh yeah. So three are, three are gone. Three, three out of seven are gone. Four more could still be out there, but that would mean almost half. So whatever is left to do, uh, might be a little easier than they expected. Though, let's think back to the three horcruxes we know about and what it took to get them and or destroy them. Number one, the book. Was that an easy challenge? Uh, No. It it nearly killed five or six people at Hogwarts. It took an entire year to figure out. Certainly nearly killed Ginny and Harry. And only due to the intervention of Fox at the end did they even survive, much less destroy the Horcrux. So that was a tough one. Very. The ring. What did the ring cost?
1: Uh, Death. So, uh, like we saw, Dumbledore's hand was basically dead. Like, the skin, everything was dead.
0: And had it been anyone else but Dumbledore, do you think they would have survived at all? No. No. So it took the most powerful wizard in the world almost dying to get that one under control. And then number three, was it an easy task for Harry and Dumbledore to retrieve this locket? Uh, no. And in the end, what was the cost of that whole endeavor?
1: You mean the end of the book? Or at the, the end
0: of that task, what resulted as of Dumbledore being weakened by that task?
1: He could be disarmed by a student and was killed.
0: Yeah, so three for three, these horcruxes have proven certainly difficult, almost always life and death, occasionally resulting in death, and we don't even know if the third one was, was really destroyed. In my mind, you've got Harry Potter and you've got Dumbledore, and they can't do it. Whoever R.A.B. is, do you think he was more powerful than the two of them combined? No. So, yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the state of that of that locket is now or where it is.
1: But he stole it. Uh, Why would he intend to destroy it?
0: Because he knows that it's part of Voldemort's power.
1: If it's part of Voldemort and he's obviously loyal to Voldemort.
0: No, 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 no. Go back to what R.A.B. said. R.A.B. is not loyal to Voldemort.
1: Really? To the
0: Dark Lord. I know I will be dead long before you read this, but I want you to know that it was I who discovered your secret. I have stolen the real Horcrux, and I intend to destroy it. As soon as I can, I face death in the hope that when you meet your match, you will be mortal once more. What is he saying there?
1: I guess I don't understand.
0: He is saying, Hey, Voldemort, I'm the guy that found your horcrux, and I'm going to destroy it so that when you finally have a battle to the death with someone, they'll be able to kill you.
1: Well, he did actually steal it. I mean, the real one wasn't there, so...
0: That's what I'm saying. He, he, whoever R.A.B. is, hates Voldemort.
1: That's not what I'm saying. Uh uh What I'm saying is, the real locket isn't there anymore, so obviously it was already taken, shouldn't he be able to destroy it
0: easily now? Shouldn't RAB be able to? Yeah. How easy was it to destroy the 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 book?
1: No, I'm s- they already went through all the hard stuff. Now he can just destroy it. Who can? RAB
0: R.A.B. went through all this stuff presumably years ago, and has the locket.
1: So he can destroy it now?
0: First of all, we don't know if this was 50 years ago, or last year. There's no date on this. Second of all, is it easy to destroy a horcrux? What'd they use the first time?
1: They took a fang.
0: From what? Uh,
1: What's it called? A
0: basilisk. So let's assume basilisk fangs are the secret. Are there basilisks everywhere? No. And it was an accident. They didn't even know that a basilisk fang would would destroy. No one knows anything about horcruxes. It's lost ancient magic. It's forbidden. So it's not like you can go to the shop and be like, hey, what do you have here that destroys horcruxes?
1: But if he has it, it's his now. I mean...
0: What happened to Dumbledore when he found a Horcrux?
1: Oh, you mean the ring? Yeah. It could have killed him.
0: Who's to say that the same protection wasn't on the locket? These are all unknowns. I think it is safe to say that R.A.B., if R.A.B. was able to destroy the Horcrux, that it certainly wasn't an easy task. Getting it was hard enough. Destroying it might be even harder. So we don't know. Where... Where where that stands or again, like I said, we don't know if this was fifty years ago. RAB could be long dead. We don't know who that is. You don't know. I do. Chapter twenty nine, the Phoenix Lament. Hagrid sends Harry inside the castle. McGonagall calls everyone to the hospital wing. But she mentions even though there were some bodies laying around, nobody was killed. But who has been gravely, gravely injured?
1: It it was Bill?
0: Yeah, Bill Weasley. What happened to Bill? I don't know. He was attacked by Fenrir Greyback, the werewolf. Yeah. Which left him in what state?
1: He should have been a werewolf, but he's not.
0: He was he was treated so quickly by Madam Pomfrey that he won't become a werewolf, but he will be slightly yeah. changed.
1: He'll never be the same.
0: And his wounds will never heal. His his face his face is torn to shreds. He's got claw marks all over his face. They also mention that one of the Death Eaters is dead by a killing curse. Uh, was killed by one of the other Death Eaters killing <laughs> curses. He was just shooting them everywhere.
1: So really, they're not even paying attention to who they're killing. I'm,
0: honestly, like I said before, I feel like all of the Death Eaters are just unskilled idiots. They, none of them seem to have any real command over magic. They're just thugs. One of the Death Eaters is dead, hit by a killing curse that the blonde one was firing off everywhere. They took Harry's Felix Felicis. Otherwise, they might all have been killed. So I guess Draco found Harry's Felix Felicis and gave it to the Death Eaters. And that's why they were so successful. That's kind of tragic. I, I forgot that completely. Do you remember that? No. Huh. Because in the movie, he drinks it all. But in the book, he's got some left over.
1: It says in the book that he takes a measured gulp. when um, he Yeah, measured it.
0: gulp, yeah. Everyone shows up. Hermione, Ron, Luna, Tonks, Lupin, and Neville all show up at the hospital wing. Bill looks afright. There's no cure. Uh, he tells everyone that Dumbledore is dead and that Snape killed him. And he kind of <laughs> relates the story of what happened in the tower. What strange sound do they hear coming from the window?
1: It's a phoenix song.
0: Yeah, the bird has been singing, Fox has been singing all night, but presumably a sort of death song for Dumbledore. (laughs) Molly and Arthur Weasley are on their way. Harry's, I believe, telling them also about about, uh, Snape, and no one can believe it. Because, you know, just until presumably tonight, everyone believed him to be a member of the Order, right? Yeah i mean we would certainly not characterize snape as the nicest guy but I, i'm pretty sure everyone but harry believed he was a good guy up until tonight yeah do you think harry feels vindicated or do you think it matters to him now
1: vindicated
0: uh i'm right does he, do you think he feels like i told you so
1: i think it's probably the second one
0: what second one
1: what the second thing you said which is what I don't remember what you said, actually. So
0: you don't think it's, because you have no idea what I'm talking about. Do you think Harry feels like saying, "Nana na boo boo I was right? <laughs> no. How do you think he feels instead?
1: Uh, he probably feels, he knows that he was right, but he's also very disappointed. Uh,
0: it doesn't matter if he was right at this point. Dumbledore's dead, that's all that matters. Whether or not anyone listened to him about Draco, Draco's the big one. He's been telling everyone all year that Draco was a Death Eater. No one believed him. Not a single person. Except, as it turns out, Dumbledore. Dumbledore says to Draco, I know what you've been doing all year. I sent Snape to protect you. So no one except for... So that was a bad decision. No one knows what Draco's been doing. Uh, or no one believed what Draco has been doing. Except for Harry and Dumbledore. So... Part of him has to be thinking, if you would have all listened to me, Dumbledore may still be alive. I'm sure the rest of him just can't think straight right now. McGonagall says, Dumbledore always said there were ironclad reasons for trusting Snape, that Snape's to be believed no matter what. He's he's 100% genuine. And they, real, honest, true. So they, they can't believe that, like, why would Dumbledore be fooled by this guy, right? Does he seem like a guy who's easily fooled? Uh, no. Seems like he'd be a good judge of character. And in spite of all the evidence, he always told Harry especially, you must trust Snape. Snape's a good guy. McGonagall thinks it's her fault. She's the one that sent Flitwick to fetch Snape and send him to the Astronomy Tower. Dumbledore had also sent members of the Order to patrol that evening, so that explains who the so-called guards were.
1: Hmm. But I don't... I, I still don't understand why McGonagall thinks it's her fault.
0: She's the one that sent Snape to the Astronomy Tower. Oh. She thinks maybe if she had gone herself, Snape wouldn't have known to go there and wouldn't have had the option of killing Dumbledore, but... In her mind, he was trustworthy. There's nothing he would have done to to hurt Dumbledore. So Uh, that seems, you know, like she did the right thing based on the information that she had. Yeah. Harry tells them about the Vanishing Cabinet, how the uh, Death Eaters actually got into the castle. Ron and Ginny mentioned that right before all this happened, they saw Malfoy coming out of the Room of Requirement by looking at the Marauder's Map he used a couple of spells including instant darkness powder to keep everything in the dark and that lumos and incendio couldn't even penetrate the darkness but as soon as the <clears throat> as soon as the darkness ran out is when all the fighting started
1: what's incendio
0: uh that's a fire spell
1: I, oh right 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 i i was getting mixed up with a so
0: anyway they they they're just trying to get their facts straight this is kind of it's interesting this is something that happens when a bad thing happens to a lot of people, when there's a death or when there's a disaster or Ev- when there's everyone stands around and just tries to focus on the facts before the emotion takes over.
1: And everybody feel like it was their fault because they did blah, blah, blah.
0: Well, maybe it's, it's more so, you know, having never been through anything like this yourself, I can tell you from experience when something terrible like this happens, you just kind of stand around saying what you know. Everyone is trying to get a bigger piece of the puzzle, you know?
1: You've been experienced with this?
0: I've experienced death and I've experienced tragedy. I've lived through, you know, terrorist attacks in this country. I've lived through people dying. Yeah, we all have. You're too young for that. You know what happened on September 11th? That was only 15 years ago. I was 20 years old. September 11th? You know about the terrorist attack on the Twin Towers in New York? Oh, that
1: was in September.
0: It was September 11th, 2001. This is the kind of thing that people do when that happens. You just sort of stand around saying what you heard on the news, what you saw, the rumor that you heard, and you just try and piece together. And I think it's a way of coping. I think it's, a, it's an initial way of coping with tragedy that you just try and figure out the story. And then eventually everyone just starts, you know, crying and being upset because the emotion sort of takes over the logical part of your brain. So anyway, um, that that's what they're doing, which I think is is a very good way of characterizing this scene. This is that's what people do in this situation. There is a exchange between Floor, who shows up at Bill's side and Mrs. Weasley at this point. Do you remember what happens between them? What does Mrs. Weasley think of Floor? Does she like her?
1: No. Okay,
0: so what does she think of her?
1: I, d- I don't know.
0: She thinks she is flighty and impulsive and not she's not going to stick around with Bill. And I think it's partly because of her Vila heritage. She thinks that she's going to be kind of a seductress who doesn't really love Bill.
1: Oh, I get it now.
0: So what what do you think?
1: By what you just said, uh, I think that you mean that she thinks that she's not uh, going to love Bill anymore and break up with him.
0: Especially because of how he looks now, right? Yeah. And what does she say?
1: (laughs) I've completely forgotten this part.
0: She shows a different side of herself that, that, see, there's this... Earlier in another book, it's mentioned that even wands with uh, Vila hair cores are prone to uh, changing. That they're not that they're hard to trust, and it's and they think it's because of a Vila's you know sort of way of manipulating people or just it's what they're known for. But that may not be true. That may also just be prejudiced against their kind, and so I think because of that. Molly thinks that Floor is just going to be sort of...
1: Grossed out, maybe?
0: Well, not only that, but superficial, which means she only cares about how things look. And she says, You thought I would wish not to marry him? Or perhaps you hoped? Said Floor. What do I care about how he looks? I am good looking enough for the both of us, I think. (laughs) All these scars show is that my husband is brave. So she shows a deeper side of herself at that point that she does love Bill, and I think that's the beginning of Molly finally accepting her so out of some tragedy can always come something good right i guess uh you well you try and find you try and find the the silver lining to to horrible things like this uh even now, I think people still aren't really processing what has actually happened and what they've lost they're just you know, they're bickering and talking and, and whatever. So anyway, Hagrid arrives and he's he's the one that can't hold it in, right? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, just before that, Tonks uh burst out to floor loving the fact that she doesn't care that Bill's been bitten by a werewolf because she finally reveals that she's in love with who?
1: Lupin. Yeah.
0: And it's hard to not it's hard to not know that earlier in this book, once you do know it, especially from the movies. You're like, "Oh yeah, they're in love the whole time." Like I I knew that.
1: How would you not? How would you know that?
0: I'm saying having read the books and then seen the movies and then you go back and read it, it's always there in your mind. They're a couple, obviously. But you realize it's not revealed until like the last chapter. So in my mind I know them as a couple, but I forget that they waited this long to reveal that to everyone. Mm. So Hagrid shows up, he's trembling with tears. He says he's He's picked up Dumbledore's body. He's told the Ministry. McGonagall wants Hagrid to call all the heads of the houses. Of course, obviously not Slytherin <laughs> to a meeting with her. Who, who can represent Slytherin? He says. She says.
1: Who can represent Slytherin?
0: Who's a prominent Slytherin this year?
1: Slughorn. Yeah.
0: So she says Slughorn can represent Slytherin House. They oh. go to Dumbledore's office now, which. Actually, whose office is it now?
1: Now it's McGonagall's. Because
0: she's the headmistress. She yeah. was the second most, he- uh, what am I trying to say? Head mi- highest, uh, highest ranking teacher, I guess. So, so she is now headmistress McGonagall.
1: At, at least we'll have a, uh, a good headmistress.
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, the office, they say, is sort of untouched, except for one detail. What's different about it now?
1: Fox is gone.
0: Fox is gone because his loyalty to Dumbledore was absolute. And without Dumbledore, he has no reason to be at Hogwarts. J.K. Rowling also mentioned that someone had to leave. There had to be a presence missing once Dumbledore left. And so she decided it would be Fox, that we would never see Fox again. So Fox is gone for good. What else is different about the walls in Dumbledore's office, or now McGonagall's office?
1: D- uh, Dumbledore's pictures hanging on the wall uh, with all of the old headmasters and mistresses.
0: Yeah, everyone who's ever been a headmaster or headmistress has sort of a living portrait, and it can talk and it can communicate, and you know, it seems like a piece of that person is alive there.
1: So now we can kind of still talk with Dumbledore-ish,
0: but no one ever does. Really? Yeah. It's weird, but no one ever does. And I think, again, I think this was a right. a story choice where if he's dead, he needs to be dead. You need to feel his presence gone. If you could just talk to him the next day and say, you know, Dumbledore, I miss you. I wish you were here and he could comfort you. Then the characters can't really grieve for him, right?
1: Yeah, right now he's sleeping, so.
0: And I think he's sleeping, so we can't talk to him. <laughs> I, I feel like this is just... It's less of a logical choice and more of a story choice that it just, it wouldn't feel like that much had been lost. It would be like being able to FaceTime with Dumbledore. (laughs) You know, it's like it's at, it would be as if he moved away, still having access to his voice and his movements and his knowledge and his wisdom and all that is not fair when a character is expected to grieve uh, so no one ever talks to Dumbledore's portrait, um, but
1: Dumbledore in the past books has had meetings with the other portraits. So,
0: correct, and it, it's safe to assume that tomorrow when Dumbledore wakes up, McGonagall can say, "Albus, how do I do this? I need some advice." <laughs> and they could say, "Oh, Minerva, just you know, do your best, you know." So, so they could have they could have a continued relationship, but it's also fair to point out. That the portrait isn't like a horcrux. It's it's like a picture. It's a, it, it captures a piece of them, but it is not them. It's not his soul. He's dead. So it's more like a copy. And I'm sure it's not, you know, I'm sure it's not like having the real Dumbledore there. It can't be. The portrait, like you said, is sleeping. McGonagall is certainly trying to keep her composure.
1: Composure?
0: Uh, keep it together. Oh. In spite of all that's happened. She asks him, you know, Potter, what were you and Albus doing that night? And he says he can't tell her. He was ext- instructed by Dumbledore not to tell anyone but Ron and Hermione. And he tells her that, as of right now, Madame Rosemurda is under the Imperius Curse. So that's something they have to go fix.
1: Also, uh, for some reason... I remember that they get he and Dumbledore get the brooms to fly to the astronomy tower from the free from the three broomsticks. Oh, yeah. So.
0: So McGonagall says the four heads of the houses are there now. I don't know if she's allowed to continue being the head of Gryffindor. I don't remember that.
1: I guess she can. I mean, who else would be it?
0: I don't know. Uh, It seems like it would have to be a teacher. She might let oh, who's another Gryffindor teacher? <laughs> I don't remember if Sprout is Sprout a Hufflepuff?
1: She's already the head of Hufflepuff.
0: Yeah. And
1: Flitwick is is head of Ravenclaw.
0: Ravenclaw. I don't think we know another Gryffindor teacher. Oh, you know why? Why? No other teachers would have house allegiances. What? Teachers do not stay a part of a house. Once they rejoin as just a teacher, they could tell you like Slughorn did that. I was in Slytherin house, but they, once they're a a professor, they don't have any allegiance to a certain house unless they're a head. So they would have to name someone else as head. I would assume that sounds right to me. I could be wrong.
1: So I guess McGonagall still is the head of Gryffindor
0: or she's named someone else. And we don't know. One of the portraits says the minister is on the way. They're obviously about to have a very important meeting, especially if it involves the Minister of Magic. Uh, McGonagall says she doesn't know if Hogwarts should even be open next year. What what do the heads of the houses think? Uh, You don't remember? No. They think it should be. McGonagall says that she wants the governors to decide. She doesn't want this to be her decision, you know? Uh, But that Dumbledore wished, like I guess in his will, that he be buried at Hogwarts. And so I guess they're going to have, you know, a tomb erected at Hogwarts and some sort of funeral there for him.
1: Shouldn't Snape be fired or something?
0: I don't think there's any reason to fire Snape now, now that he has aligned himself with the Dark Lord and uh, fled after killing the Headmaster. I think it's assumed that he's not going to show up for work on Monday, right?
1: Well, if he could.
0: But I think if he did, they would immediately arrest him and send him to Azkaban <laughs> for the Dementor's Kiss. <laughs> I don't think he's uh, got any friends left in this world.
1: Except for like the Death Eaters, which aren't really his friends. I don't think
0: any of them are friends with anybody. They're all just, they're mutually afraid of Voldemort.
1: So they're kind of in the, I'm afraid of Voldemort club.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of them would choose to spend time with Dumbledore if they weren't afraid of him.
1: Like uh, Voldemort.
0: Harry leaves this meeting, goes back to the common room and he meets Ron and he tells him about the fake horcrux and the note. Which uh, obviously is pretty defeating, right? Like after all this, after everything we went through, we have nothing. We'd, we lost. We fought this horrible battle with Inferi. We went through all these challenges. Dumb- and Dumbledore was killed.
1: Dumb- and he almost died of thirst first.
0: Yeah, and we and we didn't get anything for it, and I don't even I still don't know where to look. Like maybe Dumbledore knew where the next Horcrux might be. Harry is starting with no information, so what's he gonna do? Uh, chapter thirty, the White Tomb. The classes and examinations and everything are postponed. Some of the students just go home because <laughs> this isn't a safe place. It seems. Uh, Hogwarts never has been. Yeah, but in this case, now everyone, regardless of their other thoughts, can see that people have been killed here. And so maybe I shouldn't go here anymore. Uh, Dumbledore has a funeral. And, uh, you know, Hagrid's there with there's ministry representatives. uh, Madame Maxine shows up like everyone who isn't just at the school shows up to pay their respects. Hermione has been trying to figure out who R.A.B. is. So far, she can't. She found Rosalind Antigone Bungs, Rupert Axe Banger, Brooke Stanton, and and a lot of others, but none of them fit a profile who would have had anything to do with this. She also found out why Snape was the Half-Blood Prince. Do you remember what that name means?
1: They believed that Half-Blood Prince wasn't necessarily a title, but a kind of blood, uh, like pure blood or whatever. Uh,
0: What they found out was that, yeah, was that Snape's mother's maiden name was Prince and that his father was a muggle. You would think of all the people in the world who would be ashamed of being half-bloods, it would be Snape because Slytherins are all about pure blood, right?
1: Yeah, that would be Snape and Voldemort probably the most...
0: And we know both of them are half-bloods, so... That's what I meant. Yeah, so that's uh, just a little bit more about, um, you know, the hypocrisy of their their leanings to, you know, dislike half-bloods. I mean, we never got the impression that Snape did not like half-bloods, but it's just assumed, if you're a super Slytherin, that you are also (laughs) biased in the same way that they are. He never told Malfoy to stop being mean to half-bloods, I guess is what I'm saying, right? Yeah. He never got on to him for that, which just basically seems like his way of supporting that behavior. But in his younger days, he was maybe proud of it in a way that he made that his nickname, you know? Yeah. So that's interesting, too. Again, like, he's changed very much since he was a child. The next day is Dumbledore's funeral. Rufus Scrimjaw is there. He's the new Minister for Magic. Percy's with him. So I guess Percy has kept his job. Oh, I should also point out that this is the point where Harry mentions how much he hates the fact that Snape was the one who's been helping him all year. Snape must Who, have known about the book.
1: Who's been helping... Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Harry, by being the Half-Blood Prince. And Snape had to have known about the book, seeing what Harry was able to do. Especially after he used Sectum Simpura on Draco, right? Yeah. So I wonder why he didn't say, I know you've got my book, Potter. Return it to me. So the next day is the funeral. The minister's there. Harry, at this point, begins to feel pity for Malfoy because he thinks Malfoy was not going to kill Dumbledore. He couldn't do it.
1: It sounded like he really didn't want to because he was like, he wasn't crying but he had the voice of a crying boy while he was saying yeah, his, I have to kill you I have to kill you he'll tell me if like I, don't I said kill you.
0: everyone aligned with Voldemort is just afraid of him afraid of the consequences of crossing him Draco's not good but he wasn't evil either he was just weak and cowardly and fearful he wasn't able to stand up for himself uh, against uh, you know, a very uh, unbelievably powerful and evil opponent. So you you have to feel sorry for him in some ways. Hagrid is carrying Dumbledore's body wrapped in purple velvet to the tomb, sort of carrying it up the aisle, kind of like at a wedding. And then he goes back to join Grop, who is also kind of sad, <laughs> which is, you know, something that will definitely never be in a movie.
1: And very odd.
0: Yeah you've You've seen this movie right? Yes, okay, so you know that they also don't do the funeral, which yep. I thought was really yeah crappy. Uh, I thought that was an important scene to just leave it out entirely, but they said it would have made the movie too long. The centaurs are paying respects at the edge of the forest, but not coming too close. The myrrh people are singing
1: that makes sense
0: from the uh lake from the lake, so everybody is showing they respected Dumbledore, even the non humans in the area. <laughs> Harry has a confrontation with Ginny. What's the gist of their conversation? What does he say about their future as a couple? You don't remember? No. He breaks up with her. Oh. Do you remember why? No. He starts to try and say, like, I've got, you know, I've got something to do. And it's too big to involve you in. And so we might as well just break up. But she says, she kind of stops him and says, oh, it's going to be for some noble reason, isn't it? As if to say... This is dumb and I hate it, but I'm not mad at you. Mm. I know that you have to do these, whatever this is you have to do. Ginny doesn't know he's going to hunt Horcruxes. No one does except for Ron and Hermione. Scrimjaw takes Harry out for a walk. One more time. What does Scrimjaw try and do to Harry?
1: To ask him to support the ministry.
0: I I want you to... Officially support the ministry and you know, be our And he and he blows him off again. He says, What are you crazy? And he says one last time, he's like you're Dumbledore's man through and through. And he's like, You got it. <laughs> uh basically saying nothing's changed. The mission hasn't changed. The goal hasn't changed.
1: The only thing that's changed is that Dumbledore is not in.
0: Yeah, which certainly throws a wrench into all of Harry's plans, but it doesn't change why he's doing what he's doing or what he has to do.
1: He just needs to find out how many horcruxes there are, one, uh, two, uh, find out where they are, if there are any left, and three, uh, find out who R.A.B. is.
0: Certainly. And it's, it's a lot of work. Harry has a meeting with Ron and Hermione after the funeral, And says, he's going to go back to the Dursleys for a short visit, and then you're not going to see me again. Said he might go to Godric's Hollow. That's where it all started for him. That's where his family's house was. Oh, yeah. And that after that, he'll go looking for the remaining Horcruxes. He'll destroy them, and then he'll face Voldemort. Man, oh, man. That's a lot of stuff (laughs) to have to do. Uh, obviously he's going to go do all this by himself and Ron and Hermione are totally fine with it, right? No. What do they say?
1: They say that we're staying with you every step of the way.
0: Yeah, they basically say you can't stop us and you can't get rid of us. So they actually just go to the borough uh, because they've got a wedding to go to that they can't miss.
1: Florin bills.
0: Yeah, so in spite of all this sadness and all this terror and horror and the things to come, which involve facing and trying to murder the Dark Lord, according to the prophecy.
1: We still have a wedding.
0: They still gotta go have a life. They still have to try and find a way to celebrate the happy things in life. And so that's what they're gonna do. And I think Harry, in a way, he would have gone by himself, but he did not protest when they said they would come with him. Why do you think that is?
1: Because he knows that he would miss them.
0: Not only that, But he knows that he is stronger with them.
1: He needs help.
0: He knows that everything he's going to try and do, he'll he'll be more likely to succeed with their help.
1: Because he's going to try and find the Horcruxes. uh, He's going to try and find the other remaining Horcruxes, if there are any, of course.
0: If you had to pick one of the two and you could only take one with you, would you take Ron or Hermione?
1: I'd say Hermione. I'd
0: say the same. Yeah, I would. Harry relies on Hermione's brain more than he relies on Ron's contributions.
1: Contributions,
0: the things he brings to the table.
1: Oh, uh, and um, also, uh, the other Horcruxes could be hide, uh, hid, in, uh, could be hid in places like the locket was. Uh, it could. You could have to get it the exact same way. Go through a bunch of tragic, uh, uh, go through a bunch of tragic stuff just to get the thing. But
0: this is a very important point that you bring up. I would wager that Harry has thought about this already and thought the last person who tried to help me get a Horcrux is dead. So does he want to invite his best friends to be involved in that? No. He'd rather save them from it.
1: He'd but rather be it, he'd rather be it be him die than his best friends.
0: Harry is on kind of a solo mission in his mind that has never been a solo mission. He's always had help. But I think he's always felt at the core of it it's him against Voldemort. So in the end we're going to have to see is it him against Voldemort or is it him and all his friends against Voldemort or is it him and all his friends against Voldemort and all of his cronies. (laughs) Who who will this final battle be between, you know? Or will there be a final battle? What, uh, you know, Harry could get hit by a bus before he faces Voldemort, I suppose. (laughs) So something else important to point out about this book.
1: Like something as simple as that could kill him. (laughs) Sure.
0: It's safe to say that the next book, The Deathly Hallows, will focus on Hunting for horcruxes.
1: Fighting Voldemort. Fighting
0: Voldemort, right? Can you think of any reason why Dumbledore has to be gone for all that? Nope. What would have happened if in the end of book seven, Harry says, hang on, let me call Dumbledore. (laughs) Who do you think would have fought Voldemort instead?
1: Dumbledore.
0: Probably. So again, this is a way for our hero to... Stand on his own. Our Dumbledore has always been a support system for him. In the end, though, especially according to the prophecy, it's one-on-one. It's not one-on-one plus one's teacher. <laughs> so Harry must, face, Harry must face Voldemort. And at some point, he must face him alone, whether his friends help him get there or not. And with Dumbledore out of the picture, he truly will... Have to rely on his own wits and his own abilities, or at least those of himself and a couple of children, you know, or other children. So, it it would be, I think, too easy had Dumbledore survived. Also, had Harry said, "Hey, by the way, I'm gonna go hunt Corcruxes, uh, McGonagall. Do you want to come with me? You know, Slughorn. Do you want to come with me?" Having the sort of wisdom of older wizards at his side. Might make it too easy, or they might not be as willing to do the risky stuff that he does, you know? Yeah. Uh, Can you think of another story that you have recently experienced where the old wise teacher dies so that the young apprentice can go face evil?
1: Uh, Perhaps
0: something a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away.
1: Oh, Star Wars. Yep.
0: Obi-Wan is only alive for the first two-thirds of the first movie. That's true. And then Luke has to face Vader on his own, but does so with the help of his friends. But at the very end, it's just Luke and Vader, right? Yeah. There are many, many parallels between that story and this one, and that's not a coincidence. It's because both of those stories follow a formula established by an author named Joseph Campbell called The Hero's Journey. And The Hero's Journey basically states, the hero sets off on a quest, meets a uh, a mentor of some kind, meets a group of friends that will aid him on his quest. The mentor dies, the friends and the hero become isolated from each other. The hero goes off on his own, realizes he needs his friends, and then faces ultimate evil, essentially alone, but, but with the support of his friends. Hmm. So they, they follow the same plot points, but tell two very different stories, right? Very. But they do both involve there being sort of a chosen one. Yeah. Luke was the chosen Jedi, and it also involves sort of being plucked out of a normal life, right? Yeah. Luke had a very boring life on Tatooine, and Harry had a boring life under the cupboard where his potential wasn't being fulfilled. So if you go back and look at these stories and look at those movies again, I think you'll see they're very similar. Plus, think about The Force Awakens. It's already following that same trajectory. Who's our hero that had a very boring life in The Force Awakens? Uh, Rey. And she met with her friends, and she met a mentor. Who was her mentor?
1: Her mentor was... Um,
0: who was her mentor who died in the movie? Spoilers for The Force Awakens if you haven't seen it. Maybe turn this off if you haven't seen Force Awakens. Three, two, one. Okay, you should turn it off by now. Um, Who's Chewbacca's best friend?
1: Oh, uh, Solo. Han
0: Solo was her mentor who died. I and guess he was her mentor. Eventually she will have to face ultimate evil. In this case, Kylo Ren. Or perhaps, leader Snoke. So Who? the uh, the hologram, the big ugly guy that uh. is Kylo Ren's boss. <laughs> uh, so anyway.
1: Also, uh, her friend, uh, the black guy, what's his name? Finn. He's also kind of one of the main characters.
0: He's not the hero, though. He's going to be her Han Solo. Oh. So anyway, this is a uh, uh, Skywalker and Daughter set, uh, section of Potter and Daughter. Not to get too far into the Star Wars universe, but I just wanted to let you know like how how there's parallels between these stories.
1: Three, two, one, you can turn it on.
0: Oh, they've already turned it off. They won't hear that. (laughs) In the next episode, uh, you'll start reading book seven, but I think the next thing you and I are going to record is going to be our recap of our visit to the Wizarding World. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. We might post that between these books or I might save it for the very end, but we'll record it while you're still thinking about it. I know I'm still thinking about it. I think about it every day. (laughs) Uh, I also wanted to say, uh, you know, rest in peace to Alan Rickman. He was the actor, you know, who portrayed Snape, and he died last week. And uh, do you remember in the movies when Dumbledore died and everybody raised their wands in the air and did a Lumos? Yeah. People have been doing that at Hogwarts at the Wizarding World. And taking pictures of it for Alan Rickman.
1: Oh, seriously? Yeah,
0: big gatherings of people uh, a couple of days after he died would would stand out in front of Hogwarts with their light-up wands and pay their respects. So that's very nice. For Potter and Daughter, my name is Joel Watson.
1: And I'm Lily Watson. What
0: do you think, good episode?
1: Yeah, pretty great episode. All right. I think, it, I think it's a pretty good way to end book six. Okay. Yeah. This book is so awesome.